I, my dream is so stupid for someone to be like, oh, I love that podcast. I'm be like, I am the podcast. Like, I am. It's me. It's me. I, it's me. <laughs> I'm one half of it. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about literary book awards. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. We have a couple quick announcements for you at the top of the show. First of all, thank you so much for your purchases through our merch store. It was fun to make, but seeing you all get them in the mail and sending us photos of you wearing them has been like such a joy. So fun. I'm currently wearing one of our crew necks and I feel like I'm just going to alternate between the three sweatshirts that I ordered. But a quick plug. If you haven't got your merch yet, or if you want to grab some more things from November 15th through the 20th, you'll get 20% off your order. So we will, of course, share the link in our show notes here. So take a look. We've got a ton of different options, and I've added a new white logo version of the flower so it can show up on more colored items. So if you haven't yet, check out our shop. Also, quick reminder that we will not have a new episode out next week on November 22nd. We're taking a break, our first break in literally a full year. So we need it. One year. (laughs) And if you feel like you're going to miss us, we do invite you to join our Patreon for $5 a month. At this point, there are a ton of bonus episodes. And thank you to our current patrons. You will receive this month our What's in the Mailbag, as well as a DNF chat. So expect that soon. Hi, Renee. How are you? Hi. Yeah, I do want to chime in. I think because we did record our our DNF, that's where our books we didn't finish goes. And I think we each had 13 books on this upcoming episode, right? Yeah, there was a lot because it had been since early August that we'd recorded this DNF chat. So that's what, three full months of us trying, sampling, not working. Some of those we got pretty far too. It's not just all samples. Right, right. That's always a fun one. So yeah, I am good. Not a lot to report this week. We, Yeah, no. I was enjoying the weather up until today. Midwest weather update. November's officially here. It's, but it, it was fun while it lasted to have sunny and 70 degrees in November. In November. I know I didn't wear a coat to work yesterday. I'm like, who, who yeah. am I? Who is she? Oh, it's so, yeah, it was great. But I'm kind of feeling like... I mean, at least for today and tomorrow, I'm I have a bunch of stuff I want to do in the house. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. Uh-huh. I can I'm gonna rearrange my bookshelf. I've been putting that off right. because it was so I nice to be outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Something about I don't mind an early, you know, daylight savings, early dark time of the mm-hmm. night. I mean, it's tough because I'm walking home at five o'clock and it's literally dark out. I know. But also it's kind of cozy. Lily goes to sleep. I mean, she's not super affected by it, but I'm like I don't know. It feels like, oh, darn, I guess I can't go outside. I'm going to stay inside and read my book. Like, that's kind of yes. the mindset. Same. It, it, at least, it sounds like for you, too. It feels like it's a time we can slow down. Yeah. I don't know about you. Like, because when it stays light out till mm-hmm. eight and nine o'clock, don't you feel like 
there's so much that you're mm-hmm. outside. You can mow the grass. You there's still you can go take another walk. You yeah. can like you're just always doing, at least we are, like still doing things before it gets dark. I'm excited for this semester to end. I just I'm taking five days off for Thanksgiving. I'm like, maybe I should read a book a day. Like, no. <laughs> Why? (laughs) Relax. Like, chill out. You don't need to be doing something all the time. And then I looked in my December and I have 12 days off in a row. Now, this is a freaking privilege. I work at a university that closes between Christmas and New Year's and I'm like, Mm -hmm. could cry. I'm so excited. (laughs) So yeah, I'm excited for you because you, you do a lot. You are quite busy and you still read a ton. You've read more books than I have. And you're, I don't know how you're, it's amazing. And I don't know, man. Thanks. Yeah, you definitely, if you feel like having a reading break, I kind of feel like I need one, then we're going to take a little yeah. bit of a reading break. My focus for this Thanksgiving, I think, is going to be chunkier boys. I have to finish up Frederick Bachman's The Winners, and then I definitely okay. want to read Barbara Kingsolver's Demon Copperhead. I think that's <sighs> going to be my November kind of, or if it's not Thanksgiving, then Christmas. Also, I'm holding up a book. I got this in the mail. It's so big. Renee can't even see my face because it's taking up the yeah. entire screen. It's Wayward by Chuck Wendig. So thanks to Del Rey for sending me this. I like could not be more excited. This is the sequel to Wanderers, which I loved. Five star read. And this one, boy, it looks like he had a whole lot more to say because it is almost 800 pages, this book. So I have a couple chunkers that I'm going to try and squeeze in before the end of the year. So we'll see how I do. Okay, good luck. I definitely want to hear what you think about Demon Copperhead. My only plan right now for our little break is to read my Sharon Bolton, um, Lacey Flint book five, The Dark, which is ridiculous. I have not read that yet because I think I, I got it in May and I said I was going like, I was chasing the postman down the street because I needed that book (laughs) and I haven't read it because it's in print Yeah, and it's just, it's kind of thick. So I'm kind of doing the same thing. I've been loving print books this week. I've had them in my hand. I'm writing all over it. I'm not being super precious because one of them I was considering Mm -hmm. for our December hashtag read with BTE for our patrons read. And I was like making notes, like writing down who the characters are. And it was so fun. I'm like, wow, I should do this more often. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move us into loving lately. And you know me, I, I have been trying some fun things. And this little invention... I am loving. It's called Guard Your ID. Have you heard of this? No, but I'm nodding because I already know what it is. It sounds right up your alley. <laughs> it's so right up my alley. Okay. They're li- it's, you'll have to pull it up and look at it. They're very small ink rollers. What they do is they're made with like letters crazily configured so that when you roll it over anything that has your name on it, it becomes hidden. You cannot decipher what is underneath it. I am someone who either puts everything in a pile and shreds it. Like, you know, I really don't get that many bank statements anymore because I we it's paperless. But, every, you know, you get tons of stuff with your name and address on it. So it goes in a shredding pile. But for this, I'm now rolling this over prescription bottles. You know how when you pick up anything that has my name and address on it. I'm rolling my guard, my ID over it. This is quirky, but to me, it's a genius. I just really worry about someone finding my stuff, like my name and address, because we know there's, you know, 
that can happen. There's criminals out there going through your stuff. What I really love about this and why I'm specifically bringing it today, the three packs, which is what I ordered, you get three of these. One's a large and two's a small, I think. And they're currently $19.99 for three. And that's 50% off the regular price. And that is until December 15th. I will link to the actual site where you can get that deal. But I gave one each to each of my boys and they looked at me like I was crazy. But I'm like, no, you just roll it right over anything that has your name on it. So that's guard your ID. I love that. And it sounds like I was going to say before you mentioned your boys, I'm like, this sounds like a good stocking stuffer slash gift for somebody for Christmas, just like a thing they would not think to buy. But also who, who couldn't use that? Well, right. Even if you only used it for prescriptions, think about maybe how many prescription things you throw away that have your name, what the medication is. Like that's, that's a lot of info. I hadn't thought about it, but until this, until I got this and I'm like, Yes, I need to cover my prescription. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I don't want them knowing what I have. No. And just anything. Like, I don't know. Do you, okay, really quickly. But when I get crap in the mail, like even credit card offers, Mm -hmm. I usually rip it up. Mm -hmm. But that's not good enough, truly. You know what I do? This would do it. I rip it up and I put it, (laughs) this is so stupid. I rip it up real small and then I'll put it in different garbage cans or like one, a little in recycling, a little in a garbage can. I'm like, you won't get the full thing, even if you can Uh reconstruct it. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what, Tina, you would love, all you'd have to do now is roll your guard, your ID right over it. I love stamps. I truly like that. I would absolutely use this because I love the, you know, like stamping a library book. It's probably so satisfying mm-hmm. to do. And I get so much Tomorrow garbage in the is. mail, too. So I'm like, yeah, this would be fun for me. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take you a little bit different. Mine is very much related to our episode topic today. And My Loving Lately was very helpful in planning this episode. It's the Literary Award Lounge Discord server created oh. by Bookstagrammers Dee Dee Brown and Bernie Lombardi. And what I love about this, it's a Discord channel and they have... 35 channels dedicated to the different book awards. And they just have people in there who are reading the books, discussing them. And I'm literally 35 different channels. So any award that you can hear about, it's in there. And they also have a place where you can request a new channel. So if there's like a specific award in your home country or it's like lesser known, they've, you know, had people request and they create a new channel for that. And they say that they created this space because they found that many UK-based readers, the Booker Prize is like truly like the Grammys. Like they have this huge ceremony, there's awards, there's a dinner. And that excitement is just not here for the US readers. So they wanted to help build and foster the Book Prize community on this side of the pond by building a space for readers from everywhere to get excited and connect over a shared love of reading really, really good books. I love this. I found this a while ago, and I'm like, what a brilliant way to use Discord. And I have dabbled in there. I was looking through to see if I could find ones that worked for me. But if you are somebody who does like to follow the literary awards, I definitely recommend that you download Discord. I'll share the link in our show notes. It's just kind of an open forum for anybody that is interested. So thanks to Dee and Bernie for creating this space. It's a really lively server. So it was fun to take a look in here. It's the Literary Award Lounge Discord server. I love that. Literary Lounge. I like that. Literary, literary yeah. Lounge. Yeah. 
You did, I like that they a did lot. Good. Wow, good job. I've never heard of something like that. Lots of people so. loving the award books. And we'll we'll share in a little bit how we feel. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let me head into my latest read, which is my only five-star read for today. And that is We Are the Light by Matthew Quick. And this is a new release in November. I listened to this. The audio is by Luke Kirby, and it was fantastic. Also turns out that this is an audiophile award winner for the month of November. So that's one of the audio book award platforms that we talked about back in our audiobook episode. Um, this book is about Lucas Goodgame, and he lives in Majestic, Pennsylvania. The community has been, t- and Lucas's life, have been torn apart by a recent tragedy. And this is a big, this is a big tragedy. So do know that there are, you know, there's co- some content warnings for this. Lucas, as it turns out, is a hero when it comes to what happened at during that tragedy. However, he does not see himself that way. And in this story, we find out that his wife has been killed, but Lucas still sees her, talks to her every night in the in the form of an angel. And at the same time, he is writing letters to his former therapist, his psychotherapist, Carl. The story is told in a bit of that in that letter writing way, but it really, really worked for me. And then one day, Lucas sees a tent in his backyard, and it turns out there's an 18-year-old young man named Eli who is camping out in Lucas's backyard. Their stories intertwine, and you have to read to find out why, but the the two of them are going to go on a very unlikely journey and this is really a story of the healing power of art about community and how a community rallies around one man and how that also that one man tries to come to terms with his part in what happened in the community as well as how do you go on. To me, it was such a story about friendship and love but it's hopeful. I mentioned that for me, because this is my pick for a read with BTE, November community read, which we're going to talk about at the end, uh, November 30th in our Facebook and Discord. And I did mention when I revealed it that I do, for me, feel like this had the very best vibes of A Little Life and The Heart's Invisible Furies, which are books I both loved. And it took the best parts of those as far as friendship and community and combined them in the story. And although it is sad and I did cry, there is a lot of hope in this story. And that is what I think makes it a little bit different. So that is We Are the Light by Matthew Quick. Mm, I cannot wait to read that. That one's coming up for me soon. Obviously, I got to get it in mm-hmm. before the end of the month. So my book is not what I would call a literary award winner. However, it was very entertaining. It is The Opportunist by Elise Friedman. My goal was to really focus more on my neck galley reading, and I tempted myself into reading this when I was recording our November-December Books on the Radar episode, and I picked it up a couple weekends ago, and I flew through it so fast. This was the perfect popcorn thriller slash palate cleanser. And you might remember me mentioning it, but just in case you don't, it's about uber-rich siblings who will do anything to protect 
their ailing father's assets from his 28-year-old nurse and new fiancé. There's two brothers and Alana, a single mom who works as a social worker and who wants nothing to do with their scheme. However, she's never leaned on her dad's money. And she is struggling, especially because she has a daughter with special needs and she needs resources from her. So when her brothers approach her with this scheme to basically get rid of this new wife, they manipulate her into doing their bidding. So Alana flies to their father's West Coast Island retreat. Sidebar, this says this is set in Canada, which made me happy. It's the West Coast of Canada. I'm like, oh, very cool. And the goal, her goal is to perform one simple task in their plan to make the gold digger go away. Kelly, however, proves to be a lot more wily than expected, and Alana becomes estranged in an increasingly dangerous scheme full of secrets and surprises. When I tell you this was over the top, it was over the top, but fun, like still really, really fun. If you are a reader who needs to like your characters, I would probably skip this. I don't want to say too much because obviously the fun in thrillers is the reveal, but I will say I did not expect things to go the way they did. There were certain scenes that I laughed out loud because it was just so over the top, but it was very, very fun. I thought it was really well paced. There were short chapters. You're kind of in and out of different points of view, and I definitely was entertained the entire time. Be aware, though. One of the plot points is really despicable and really gross, understandably so. I That's the point. The author clearly knows that. But just kind of I wanted to make mention of that. If you like a good mystery, if you like family drama, and again, if you like popcorn thrillers, I definitely think this is worth picking up. This one doesn't come out until December 6th. But get it on your radar now. Get a good hold in. This would be perfect for a busy time of year. This is The Opportunist by Elise Friedman. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Was so fun. Yeah. Well, and popcorn thrillers, sometimes you just, they're great to just I love binge them and, and then, you know. I love them now yes. and again. I really, really do. I'm kind of in the mood for one now. So I might be on the, <laughs> on the hunt for my next one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, before we head into a little book talk, I have a listener latest read to share. And this comes via Instagram from listener Morgan Page Smith. And she recommends a book called Christy by Catherine Marshall. And she says this is an old book, perfect for fall. It has a cozy rural Appalachian setting. It involves a young teacher protagonist and a large cast of characters that stay with you for years to come. She says it's one of her all-time favorites. Just that little bit really caught my eye because I love when I hear someone say something is an all-time favorite, but I also have Demon Copperhead on my mind still, which is also set in Appalachia. So immediately I was like, oh, okay, I'm like, I'm there. I want to, I would totally try another book with that setting with characters that stay with you. So that was Christy by Catherine Marshall. Nice. So today we're talking about book awards (laughs) and we wanted to share, we've had this on our, we actually started this. I got, I want to say in like May or something, we were going to record this bumped it down on our list. Mm -hmm. And probably it's me that was championing it because I love the idea of award winners. I like to know who won. Now, do I gravitate toward actually reading the award winners? Not so much. I know that I DNF'd probably six or seven between sampling and actually getting a substantial try in 
which is so disappointing because some of them I was so excited about. But, you know, it is what it is. How was your reading experience mm-hmm. for these? Tough. Very tough. I I do know, I'm not surprised, but it, it, doing this episode really like solidified the fact that I tend to read the crime fiction awards, mm-hmm. <laughs> like books that have won the Edgar, the... Anthony, which is a mystery writing award. We'll talk about, like, I'm going to give some more details on those. But in the UK and British crime awards, seems like I've read, you know, throughout the years, quite a lot of those. And that's about where I, I tend to land. I have a really tough time with, I think, I think what it is, is getting into some mm-hmm. of these more literary Yep. Biggie Awards. Same here. I mean, the books. I consider both of us to be well-educated individuals, but boy, mm-hmm. oh boy, I was like, I don't know that I'm smart enough for this book. A couple of them, I was like, I just, the thing is, I know I'm missing the point. <laughs> and I, I know that there's a point there. I can see the value somewhere in between, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't follow. I chalked it up to there's you know, maybe a season for reading. We're obviously reading on deadline, sort of. So it's this different experience where we know we have to have, you know, two books ready for each episode. So I was like thinking maybe if we had more of a free read time or it wasn't so mm-hmm. bound to this, you know, or mood readers. So if it wasn't so bound to this episode, I'm wondering if we might have done better. Some of them I know 100% it wasn't for me. Some of them I'm like, I probably could have tried a little harder, but gosh, with the time constraint, it just wasn't coming out. I will say, the, and we're going to get into some of the definitions here, the Pulitzer is one that I do like. I like a lot of their award winners. I know the Underground Railroad won that. One of mine that I'm bringing today was nominated. And what the Pulitzer does is honors excellence in journalism and the arts since 1917. And they include awards for fiction, drama, poetry, autobiography, among many others. So there's a lot of different categories within that prize. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I have read some of those winners and right off the top of my head, All the Light We Cannot See yep. comes mm-hmm. to mind. But I read that not knowing, you know, I think I read it before it won. I don't, I'm not sure, but I agree with you. I do think there are some some books in that category that I wouldn't, I would still like to try. Olive Kittredge being one. I thought about tackling that and it just ended up being too long yeah. really for you know, the the time that I needed to have it finished by. So yeah, do let's share a few of the kind of the more, I think, well-known or maybe popular, quote unquote, popular awards. For me, one of my favorites is the Edgar Awards. Mm-hmm. I love that. I will check that every year. And that's an award presented by the Mystery Writers of America in recognition of achievements in mystery writing. That one, I I always want to know every year who's nominated and who won. If you like mysteries, it's also like good to have in your back pocket because if you're in the mood for a mystery and you're not really sure, you can always go back and just check and see what nominees you haven't even read. Because really, they're all usually, you know, in order to be chosen, they're usually pretty varied, but also just, you know, involves a decent mystery, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're going to get a decent one. I tried an Edgar Award winner and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And it was a, a <laughs> I, I should have known it was a kind of a detective novel. I can't even remember the title, oh. but I was like, already, I know that this is not my favorite. So I'm going to mm-hmm. move on from that. 
you also have the National Book Award. And it sounds like, again, I like the idea of following the awards. I like the idea of knowing what's what's coming up, who won, because like, I don't know, it, there's something to that. The National Book Award was established in 1950 to celebrate the best writing in America. It's got many categories, including fiction, nonfiction, poetry, translated, and young people's literature. And the 2022 winner is being announced November 16th. So we will have a reveal the same week that this mm-hmm. episode comes out. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking, too? I What's think that? I think the fun of award, like literary awards is also what you just said, the reveal. The... Mm-hmm. And the winner is, like, sort of buildup that goes with these types of awards. So, okay. One that I also really like to follow is the Anthony Awards. And those are literary awards for mystery writers presented at BauscherCon, which is the World Mystery Convention. So I think for those, too, you you do get a little more thrillers in that mix, Mm -hmm. whereas the Edgars tend to be a little more mystery- focused. Yeah. What do you have next? So then you have the Booker Prize, which I think is a biggie that was established in 1969. And each year, a panel of judges decide the best novel of the year written in English and published in the UK or Ireland. And this is the one I was, I was looking up the winner for 2022 and they had a video and it's literally like an award show. Like they were, there was like tables, everyone was dressed up. I want to say Queen Camilla was the person that was like helping award the booker. I'm like, is that, oh. who the, is that who I think it is? Yeah. I'll have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it was. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. So the booker, um, I think look, that's the one that tempts me the most. That is the one I've had the least success with. I have to say, okay. I mm-hmm. could not get through the majority of the ones that I tried for the booker. Okay. Yeah. And the international booker, I did not know the difference, but I do now. And the, the difference is that that is awarded to a book which is translated into English and published in the UK and Ireland. So it's Mm -hmm. translated. That's really the only difference. Yeah. So now I know that. And I just looked it up. It was Queen Camilla. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a pretty big deal to like, that sounds like a really big. Massive. I mean, it's like a, a, literally like the Grammys. It was crazy. Yes. Awesome. Here's another one. The Women's Prize for Fiction Awards. mm -hmm. Yeah, those were established in 1992, and they actually were established because the Booker Prize of 1991 didn't include any women at all, which Mm -hmm. is nuts. So this is a panel of female judges who select the best fiction written by women from around the world. Mm -hmm. I like Like that. that. Mm -hmm. Another one I'm always intrigued by is the Aspen Prize, Mm -hmm. and that, the Aspen Words, literary prize. And that is for an influential work of fiction that illuminates a vital contemporary issue and demonstrates the transformative power of literature on thought and culture. Like that sounds, Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds great. Here's one that I did not pay much attention to until today, until I was prepping for this episode. And that is the Hugo Awards. Oh, mm -hmm. And yeah, that is a prestigious award given to the writers of science fiction. That's right. I did know that about the Hugos. Yeah. 
So spoiler, stay tuned for one of my picks from that <laughs> category. <laughs> Ooh, I know. I'm excited to hear about that. I just quickly looked up the 2022 Aspen Words Literary Prize winner, and it's the final revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. And I oh, loved okay. that book. I'm like delighted that that one was chosen. So that was really exciting. Gosh, I should have looked up the, uh, see, what could have been? I should have looked up the Aspen Award winners and tried to read there one of those. Go. Maybe I would have done better with these. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many. There really is truly so many. Mm-hmm. Here's what, okay, we have, we probably have to mention this one because it's considered the most prestigious Ooh. of all, the Nobel Prize for Literature. Mm-hmm. And that is awarded every year in Stockholm, Sweden mm-hmm. to an outstanding author of any country. And fun fact, it is the biggest paying literary award, which, guess what, is, okay, the prize is $1,142,000. Ooh, I just got chills. Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> that is incredible. That, That's a yeah. biggie. That is definitely a biggie. And some of these other awards that we were um, looking at, they definitely also have a monetary amount attached, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. the people... The Pulitzer is 15000 I think some are in the $30,000 range. But gosh, I mean, that's no million dollars. Well, I had heard of the Costa. Mm-hmm. The Costa Book Awards, which were given to authors who were based in the UK and Ireland. And I was searching for the 2022 winner and found out that that particular book award has been scrapped. Mm-hmm. It is no longer. They they stopped in 2021. That's the last year. No reason was given. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I think it, but it, it sounds like it was a pretty large, reputable award. It sounds like overall the literary prizes, I've heard that they're kind of losing the esteem or the prestige. And, you know, right. with, with good criticism sometimes over the years, I know there's been controversy over judges, over perceived racism and misogyny. And this one article um, that you found actually said that it's gotten to the point where the very notion of awarding prizes for literature has become quite questionable. Right. I'm like, I'll link to that. Yeah, of Mm -hmm. course. Definitely do. I don't know that I agree. I think they're worth defining and revamping and continuing to really look at, okay, who are the panelists here? Who Mm -hmm. is making the decision? What does the panel look like? And, you know, changing things accordingly. But I also love the idea that authors and publishers and just it's a champion for literature. I love that. And I think they should win these prizes. Like, I think I think it's a good thing. I agree. I do agree. I think you nailed it exactly. I think it comes down to the panel and the judges mm-hmm. and whether so if if particular panels need to be revamped, so be it. But I do think it's important. I, I'm thinking of one specific uh, mention. I think it was in that article where they talked about and I can't remember what it was. So check out the article. But a, an author who was a known pedophile, his book was a like one something. Now. That to me falls to the judges. Yeah, I meant my face. Right? That shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah, there's certain, okay, like I have a short leash for that type of behavior. Right, right. So, but I do. I think, I think where if we circle all the way back around, I think where we've landed is we both really like to see winner, to see 
who's been nominated, who won, even if, you know, we may not ever read the book. Yep. I agree completely. Yes. All right. Well, I can't so. wait to hear what you read because okay. <laughs> Renee texted me on Wednesday and said, well, <laughs> I just found the second book that I'm bringing to the show. It is, what, 23 hours on audio? Right. And I just started right. it today. But it sounds like you finished. Well, I'll tell you more. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will tell you more about that. But I, it, it was good. I'll tell you more, but I'm going to start with The Damage by Caitlin Ware. Oh, yeah. What did this win? Well, I thought, I actually truly thought until I finished that this won the 2022 Best First Novel by an American author for the Edgar Award. And it turns out it was it was a finalist Got it. for the Best First Novel. But that's okay because it's also been sitting on my print bookshelf. So <laughs> I am glad I finally pulled it off. This is a different version of the, you know, we've all read thrillers about that revolve around he said, she said, especially when it comes to possibly a sexual assault. And this book tackles he said, he said. This is about Nick. And Nick is the younger brother of Tony. What we find out is Tony has really, truly basically been instrumental in raising Nick. There's a very large, like, 17-year age gap between the two. In the opening scenes, Tony is called to the hospital bed where Nick is laying after being assaulted. He is battered and bruised, and he has been violently sexually assaulted. This takes place in a small New England town, and the story really takes off from there because we, we get to meet Tony Tony's wife, Julia, who was a defense attorney. Um, We have a detective named Rice, and he is assigned to this case. And the really interesting way this story is told is a back and forth between a bit of present day 2019, where Detective Rice and Julia are talking about what happened. And then it goes back to the incidents years before that led up to 2019 when is present day. And actually this worked really, really well because the past time is much larger. I really liked the way that the author decided to structure that. The setup as far as what happened with like truly what went on with Nick and this handsome stranger. Just to tell you what the mystery actually, or the the thriller mystery aspect was, Nick goes to a bar, meets a handsome stranger, and things take a turn. Now, that handsome stranger ends up having a completely different story than what Nick says. And that's where the he said, he said comes in. Mm. So as the story goes, it becomes a very much a complex web of who's telling the truth, but also this takes a really different look at the family, like the ramifications on the family and what's happening between Tony and his wife and how much are each of them willing and able and capable of when it comes to trying to help and or save Nick, if that makes sense sense. It is hard to talk about these types of stories because I don't want to give anything away. I enjoyed this a lot. My main criticisms have to do with character motivations. At some point in the story, I started 
to realize that for me, the character motivations were revolving around some weird communications involving a lack of communication, which that lack of communication was used to drive the plot. And it bugged me. I wasn't on board for it. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. And I needed to believe it. But that's just me. This has gotten really, really good reviews. The ending was unexpected. And I won't say you know, anything else about it as to whether I was happy with it or not. I'll keep that to myself. If anybody has, has read it and wants to talk about it, I would love to talk. But definitely went in directions I was not expecting. So overall, yes, I liked it a lot. I'm glad I read it. I would recommend it. It's The Damage by Caitlin Ware. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad you brought that because I've obviously seen it around and did not know much mm-hmm. about it. Okay, before you tell us your book, I will tell you that the winner for the Edgar Award for 2022, that won for the best first novel, was Deer Season by Erin Flanagan. Mm -hmm. I love a best first novel. You know we love debuts. And I was looking through Mm -hmm. the list as you were sharing, and there were some winners on there. Bear Town was on there by Frederick Bachman, Miracle Creek, Mm -hmm. Angie Kim I loved. So that could be a good source. Yes, Book one for me is one I read a while ago, and I was kind of hanging on to my feelings about it, but I've finally come to a place where I can articulate it. It's An Island by Karen Jennings, and this one was long-listed for the booker in 2021. By the way, the 2022 winner was The Seven Moons of Mali Almedia by Shehan Karantalaka, and I tried to read that. I did. I bought it, and I really wanted to get into it. I might come back because it was super interesting and it's a gorgeous hardcover book, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't get it. (laughs) So (laughs) I will tell you though about an island. In this book, a young refugee washes up unconscious on the beach of a small island inhabited by no one but Samuel, an old lighthouse keeper. Samuel lives alone on the island. And by the way, the, the island is off the coast of an unnamed African country. And he cares for the lighthouse and lives off the land. And on occasion, bodies of drowned men wash ashore. But this time, the man is alive. And the entry of this man completely disrupts Samuel's way of life. They don't speak the same language. And he's like, what do I do? I don't want him here. I feel bad just leaving him to fend for himself. And he's definitely unsettled. And the arrival of this stranger causes him to really reflect back on some memories of his former life on the mainland, a life that saw his country suffer under colonizers and then fight for independence, only to fall under the rule of a cruel dictator. He recalls how he played a role, and we find out that he really had a long history before he got to this lighthouse on the island. It really made him consider This man triggered a lot of things for him. He was thinking about what he did as a youth, and he finally landed on what lengths a person will go to in order to ensure what is theirs will not be taken from him. Because he's like, this is my space. I don't want this person here. But that thought in and of itself really triggered a lot for him. This is an allegory. It is a taut, tense story that I really appreciated. I really, really loved certain elements of it, but I didn't necessarily enjoy my reading experience was slow and the flashbacks took me out of the main mystery. But I do appreciate what the author was trying to do. 
That said, I couldn't stop reading because I was really curious to see what Samuel would do with this stranger. I'm like, he's getting backed into a corner here. How will this end? One thing that gave me pause, and I don't really know what to say about this other than to note it, but the author Karen Jennings is a white South African writer. The character Samuel is definitely Black, as is the audiobook narrator. So I was wondering what the choice there was and also why the country of origin is unnamed. So I was like, I'm wondering if she was trying to make this more of a universal story and not like ascribe, you know, not speaking of a specific place in history, but more so making commentary on colonialism in general. That said, I still recommend it. It just was kind of interesting to me. I loved the audiobook narrator. His name was Ben Onwukwe. Definitely would seek him out again because he did an awesome job. This is a novel about guilt and fear, friendship and rejection, and about the meaning of home. So I'm kind of on the fence with this one. It's short. I do think it's worth it on the audio if you're curious. It's An Island by Karen Jennings. Okay. I am, <laughs> I'm going to talk about a biggie. Yes, it's a biggie. It is New York. 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson. Never heard of it. (laughs) I hadn't either, Tina, when I came across this. This was a Hugo Award nominee in 2018, Hugo Award nominee for Best Novel. Now, I had decided, I I was frustrated because I wasn't finding anything that pulled me in. And I thought, you know what? Let me look outside of my old comfort zone and let me look at either fantasy or science fiction. And let me see if I could find something. It took me a while, but when I hit on this, I'll tell you, it's a fascinating premise and I am glad I gave it a try. I have a lot, I have, I don't have a lot to say, but I have specific thoughts on this. So this is set over a hundred years in the future. It is a vision of New York City. And you know, we've said a million times, we both love books set in New York City. And so what does New York City look like over a hundred years from now? So as the sea levels rose, every street in New York City became a canal. Can you imagine? Mm-mm. Every skyscraper is an island. This story is centered around residents of one apartment building in Madison Square. There's a market trader. He's a day trader for a hedge fund. There is a detective whose work keeps her very busy. And there's an internet star who's beloved by millions for her airship adventures, which was so interesting. There's the building's manager who is quietly respected for his attention to detail. There are two young boys who don't live there, but end up crossing paths with the other characters. And then there are two coders. They're called coders, these two guys. They are temporarily living on the roof, but they end up disappearing, and their disappearance is what ends up triggering a sequence of events that brings all of these people together and threatens the existence of everyone. Now, this is a very interesting, lengthy setup because I ended up getting this on audio. I had it audio and print, which is why I thought I could tackle it. It's a little over 600 pages. It's 23 hours on audio. The audio is amazing. It is a production of nine distinct narrators. They actually produced the crap out of this because it really felt like a movie 
production in my head. There's different accents. There's pacing, the dialogue. Okay, here's how this worked. I was binging this. I absolutely loved the vision that the author had for what New York City was at this time. The world building creation. New York at this time is called Super Venice. And it was riveting. It was fascinating to find out how were people getting around. The population was still quite large and it was, it had already worked its way into being rebuilt because what they called the sea levels rising over the years was called the floods. So after the first flood, people left, but then by this time, people were coming back and New York City was booming. So I loved learning about how did they get to that point? There was a lot about climate change, but it was very interesting to find out how basically we got from where we are now to what it could look like a hundred and some years from now. That was so interesting. How did they live their life? What was still around? Like, for example, they would talk about pinging the cloud and like things that that are in our life now. He was able to incorporate some of that. Mm -hmm. And it was, I, I loved it. I loved those additions. I loved the, every chapter began with a bit of New York City history. And by that history, it's stuff that we all know or that was, you know, maybe in the 1900s. I loved all of that. Loved it. Now, I got several hours into this book, and then something happened, and it took a really, really hefty turn in, into the focus, and it turned into a heavy finance and capitalism. Hey. So we went from that fascinating world-building and future-setting to a whole lot of finance and a look at capitalism, which clearly the author did not enjoy. He had strong opinions that came through in the book on where we are, even what we're seeing now, you know, for example, the Amazon phenomenon, you know, Mm -hmm. what does that look like over a hundred years from now when you have the super wealthy? And I don't love finance, I have to say. And my enjoyment went from way high to way low. And I will tell you, I'm going to tell the truth. I skimmed a, I skimmed a lot. Nothing wrong with that. So, but here's what I, here's what I want to say. I skimmed because I wanted to know what happened to these people, especially the, the girl doing the internet star doing the airship adventures. You got to read about that. It was, it was so fun. So much fun what she did. And fascinating. What a, creative imagination this author has. But I skin, I, I needed to know how what was going to happen to all these characters, how it was going to end. And because of that, this was a worthwhile reading experience. My point is you don't always have to read everything word for word to get enjoyment. And I keep thinking about everything that he created as far as like where we could be in the future. So for me, it was a winner, although it wasn't a winner. And I would love suggestions on other types of futuristic books like this. Like, I would rather see something like this than, like, 
outer space. Like, this is my thing. It's an accessible, you know what an I mean? accessible future. Yes. It's exactly. not like totally like sci fi, you know, which yes. to- there's definitely a place for that, but this feels more. Right. I like, I see what you mean. I like when they incorporate elements of things we have today, like Amazon and the cloud. Like, I, I could oh, see yes. the appeal. I mean, they talked about Madison Square Garden and the uh, Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, which was underwater, but <laughs> oh. thing, you know, everything that we know that we're in a, a future. I love that. So if anyone has suggestions, I would love it. But this one was New York 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson. Let me tell you, the winner of the 2022 Hugo Award for Best Novel was A Desolation Called Peace by Arcady Martin. All right. I will tell you about my book too. And it is a resounding five-star read. Oh, good. I'm late to the game, but this came to me at the right time. It's When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. And this was nominated for the Pulitzer Best Biography slash Autobiography 2017. And if you're not familiar with this book, it is about a man who, at the age of 36, on the verge of completing a decade's worth of training as a neurosurgeon, was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. One day, he was a doctor treating the dying, and the next, he was a patient struggling to live. And just like that, the future he and his wife had imagined evaporated. And this is a memoir, and it follows Kalanithi's transformation from this medical student who's pondering mortality and like what he wants to do in his life through his training as a neurosurgeon at Stanford, and then finally into a patient and confronting his own mortality. Questions tackled are what makes a life worth living in the face of death? What do you do in the future? No longer a ladder towards your goals in life? What, what do you do? How do you plan? How do you live? Mm -hmm. This was hands down one of the best books I've ever read in my life. I actually bought it back in 2019 and it's been on my shelf since then. So if you're like me, I still wanted to bring it to the show and just implore you, get the copy. Like this is 1 Mm -hmm. million percent worth it. I recommend it to everyone, which I never say, but he is such a gifted writer and it will absolutely make you think about the meaning of life. It taught me how to appreciate the time I have right now. And I'm just so impressed he was able to write his story with such perspective. The story was published posthumously, so we know how it ends. But still, there were some reveals in this book that took my breath away. Sorry for the pun. <laughs> I guessed when I was reading this, just for, for certain things. I didn't know a couple elements that were going to happen. I was just in it for the ride. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I listened to it. I love the audio. But you also need a print copy so you can highlight I could cry thinking about this book. I am so glad I read it. I think it's one for everybody. I picked this because, again, I was struggling to find one. I know a couple weeks ago, you had brought Between Two Kingdoms. And I said, I don't know if I can Mm -hmm. read that. That scares me. And I thought, you child, like, why would you say that? You know, I started, I felt bad about thinking that I was too afraid to read a memoir about somebody who had been diagnosed with cancer. So I wanted to, you know, challenge some of my fears in this. And I'm so glad I did. He's got such beautiful thoughts on death and how Mm -hmm. he looks at death as a physician and how physicians look at their role between, you know, fighting for their patients and healthcare and what does it mean to live a life I mean, I can't say enough. I'm just, this is one I'll probably want to revisit often. And I think at different stages in your life, different pieces will call to you. But I'm so glad we got this gift. This book was just a masterpiece. It was When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. And the 
Pulitzer Best Biography for this year's winner was Chasing Me to My Grave, an artist's memoir of the Jim Crow South by the late Winfred Rembert, as told to Aaron I. Kelly. So it sounds like this one was also a book possibly published posthumously, but boy, oh boy, this was a winner. Mm-hmm. Well, I second that. I just looked up what you were reading to see when I read that. I read that January 12th of 2016. Mm-hmm. And I am ready to, I will read that again because you're right. It's at different, I mean, it's been six years almost and I want to read it again. You talking, I was like, yes, I remember that. I remember, I just remember thinking his writing was so good. Unbelievable. Which he, he aspired, you know, he wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And also I remember learning so much about the brain. Yeah. That was fascinating. It's, it's it's a great book. It's a great medical memoir too, which I love medical books. I was like, oh gosh, I like being in the hospital. This is so fascinating. And I love that at one point in his life, he was thinking, okay, do I continue my medical career or do I sit down and write this book? Like, it depends on how much time I have left. And I thought, I mean, how true is that? Like, because we always are making decisions in our everyday Mm -hmm. lives that are based upon the fact that we have a lot of time left. And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous story. Yeah. And just um, since I pulled up my, when I read it, I'll tell you, it has 552,000 ratings with a 4.38 average Goodread rating, Mm -hmm. which is, yeah. I'm so glad you read that. Yeah, me too. It's so good. It's just so good. Okay. Moving into shelf editions, I decided to bring one that I actually ended up bumping up my TBR because I have a print copy and I thought, oh, I forgot about this. But it was long listed for the 2022 Booker Prize and it's Case Study by Graham Macrae Burnett. This is set in London, 1965, and it's about a young woman who believes that a charismatic psychotherapist named Collins has driven her sister to suicide. She becomes intent on confirming her suspicions, so she ends up assuming a false identity and presents herself to him as a client and then also starts recording her experiences in a series of notebooks. And it's not long before she finds herself drawn into a world in which she can no longer be certain of anything, even her own character. I think this sounds really good. It's not very long. It's being billed as a meditation on the nature of sanity, identity, and truth itself. So that is Case Study by Graham Macrae Burnett. Ooh, okay. I'm glad you brought an award winner. I indeed did not. I'm ready to leave our award winning ways <laughs> behind. I am bringing a book, though, that the publicist sent me. And I'm like, oh, well, you saw me coming because they said it was for fans of Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. So the book that I'm bringing is The Fake by Zoe Whittall. This one doesn't come out for a while. It comes out on March 21st of 2023. Uh, It's a scammer story. I'm still into Mm -hmm. scammer stories. I'm not done with them yet. And After the death of her wife, Shelby is suffering from prolonged grief. She's increasingly isolated, irritated by her family's stoicism and her friend's reluctance on the toxic positivity of self-help culture. Then, in a grief support group, she meets Cammie, who gives her permission to express her most hopeless, hideous feelings. Cammie is charismatic, and unlike anyone Shelby has ever met, she's also recovering from cancer and going through several other calamities. And Shelby puts all of her energy into helping Cammie thrive until her intuition tells her that something isn't right. Then you've got Gibson, who's fresh from divorce, almost 40 and deeply depressed, 
but he falls in love with Cammy. Not only is he having the best sex of his life with a woman so attractive, he's stunned she even glances his way, but he feels truly known for the first time in his life. But his friends are wary of Cammy, and eventually he too is like, hmm, something's not adding up here. When Gibson and Shelby meet, they realize Cammy's stories don't always add up. And in fact, they're far from the truth. But what kind of person would lie about having cancer? And what does it say about Shelby and Gibson that they fell for it? I'm interested. This is from the Mm -hmm. author of The Best Kind of People and The Spectacular, which I think I have a copy of somewhere. It's about lies, liars, and the people who love them. So this Mm -hmm. book is The Fake by Zoe Whittall. I'm curious. Give us us some more scams. We'll take it. (laughs) Exactly. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in our show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash book talk, etc. Reminder, we are out next week. And this would be a great way for you to get your book talk, etc. fill by becoming a patron. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you in two weeks. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Hey, we're on break. Ooh.